Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Literary Ladies Podcast. Another episode. Here we go. Here we go. I'm KP. I'm Melanie. We really do need a theme song. Yeah, we do. We're going to come up with one someday. It'll be good. It'll be a good theme song. Maybe. So today we are reviewing Whisper Network by Chandler Baker. Um, We just previously talked about this in our last podcast that we'd be doing this book. Um, I'll do a little like synopsis of it. Um, It is a book about these three women who are lawyers who work in the same law firm. It's kind of like a law firm. Yeah, it's like specifically for athletes, I think. Yeah, they work in the same like company. Um, And a lot of the book has to do with like sexual assault in the workplace and sexism and kind of double standards. And there's also a murder because we wouldn't be doing a podcast if there wasn't a murder in the book. Correct. So so yeah, that's what we're going to go over today. And um, like every podcast, there will be spoilers. So if you haven't read the book, go read it, pause the podcast now, and then come back so you can listen along with us and maybe agree with some things we have to say. Yeah, we'll still be here in like two, three, one year when you finish the book. (laughs) Are you saying these people are going to take one year to finish a book? I mean, I, I have been that person before. So, you know, if it takes that long, we'll still be here. So don't worry. Same. Yeah, we'll always be here for you the rest of your life. Q Friends theme song. <laughs> I'll be there for you. Speaking wow. of everything that we read having a murder, I really want a true crime podcast. So let me know if I should do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Comment on wherever you're listening or on YouTube and tell Melanie if she should start a true crime podcast. Just say yes. It's going to be great. And I won't be able to sleep ever again. But you know what? It's fine. <laughs> It's okay. It'll be fine. All right. So these questions, a few of them I wrote myself, like the first couple and then the other ones, there was actually a lot of um, questions floating around on the interwebs. So I just copied a few from some other sources, but we'll get into them. I will start. Do you want me to ask you the first question? Sure. Okay, here we go. This is one that I wrote. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but you know, let's just go with it. Um, It seems like whenever there's an opportunity for women to come together in a bad situation, especially pertaining to a man, they turn on each other instead of working together um, as the women did in this book many times. Have you experienced this in your life? And what are your thoughts on this? I have not experienced this in my life where like women are turning on women and I'm in a situation like that Mm -hmm. but I do think it happens a lot and I know there's a lot of like victim blaming from women which blows my mind that women victim blame other women when bad things happen to them but we'll get into that probably more later there's a lot of victim blaming to talk about in this book but um yeah I just think it happens a lot but I haven't personally dealt with it yeah it's 
It's something that I always think about when I'm watching Big Brother and Survivor, when these women have this opportunity to work together and like kick the asses of all the men on this competition. And then they just never do. And it just all goes haywire, which makes me so sad. Um, but I don't know. It just, it's, it's annoying because so another example I think of is like when, um, a girl finds out that this guy she's with has another girlfriend and um, the girlfriend will find out that he's cheating and get mad at the other girl. No, you're supposed to get mad at the guy that is cheating on you. What is your problem? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And I agree with you, not really about Survivor, but Big Brother, when they have the opportunity to all come together and work together, they don't. And then they'll say like, oh, I, I need to get into a showmance so that the guy can take me to the end. And it's like, no, it's freaking 2021. Take yourself to the end. You Eat don't need a showman's. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you don't need a man to take you to the end of a show who probably doesn't know what he's doing in this game. Because then everyone's going to say, oh, you just rode on his coattails the whole time. Like, no, honey. Win. <laughs> sad, sad. Women work together. If you're on Big Brother, work with the other women. <laughs> That's what we would do if we were on Big Brother. Yeah. All right. Is that all for the first question? That's I all like I have to say about that. We just went off. I feel like that's going to be a theme. Um, so the second question, which woman did you resonate with from the book and why? I said that I think I resonated the most with Artie because she just seemed the most level-headed and like down to earth out of all of them. Um, she got pushed around a little bit and didn't really make a fuss over it, except for when she found out that her friend was having this other friendship with her ex-husband, then she kind of, that like threw her over the wire a little bit. But um, I think she was different from the other women. You could see that when she connected with Rosalita and like actually would interact with her and even mm -hmm. helped her with her son. So I just think that out of all of them, that's the person I could relate to. Yeah. I said that it was kind of hard for me to relate to anyone in this book, but if I had to pick someone, I picked Rosalita. Love her. She's yep. the real gem of this book. She was. Like, seriously. Um, because she was like the only, not, well, okay. I think she was the most genuine throughout the book. Like, mm -hmm. she never put on, like, a front or, like, sugar-coated anything. Like, she just kept it very, like, like, real the whole time. And she also, like, stayed in the background and didn't, like, put herself into the drama when she could have. And I feel like that's what I would have done if I was in that situation. Yep. When you relate to the secondary characters more than the main characters. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> Hashtag I relatable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So have you experienced victim blaming slash dismissal before in your everyday life? Do you think it's right to stand by the innocent until proven guilty in instances like this and dismiss a victim's claims until there's evidence to prove them? I am going to go off on this. So I'll just let you go ahead and say your piece and then I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm also going to go off. So here we go. Okay. So I have not dealt with this when it comes to like victim blaming or dismissal. 
But one thing in this book that was like very apparent that I don't think was talked about enough was the sexism and like the, well, like the double standard and the sexism towards the women in the office. And I've dealt with that at two jobs was not a good time. So here we go. I'm going to tell both stories. They're very short. So the first one, I was working at a theme park in Florida, not the one with the, the Mickey ears, another one. <laughs> not trying to say I worked at that land, um, but I was working at a theme park in college where Melanie and I met and a customer got mad at me and went to the manager, which I was like, okay, that's fine. I don't care. Go ahead. You're having a bad day. You're on vacation with your 12 children. And so he went to my manager. She like, I don't know, gave him something. And then he left and she came over to me and she was like, it's your job to just stand here and look pretty and not piss off the guests. And I was like, you're a manager at a large theme park that I report to? Excuse me? <laughs> like, what? And it's like, in real life, like, I've heard that be, or I haven't heard it in person be said, but I've heard of stories of it being said by men and women. And it's like, that is, come on, like, no. And the second one happened more recently when I was on a work trip with a coworker of mine who's in his 50s. Um, yep, very older man. And he asked me to have a drink with him late at night. And I said, no, because we were at a conference. And he said, you're too emotional. What? You can't turn down drinks with older gentlemen that you work with or else you're super emotional. How, how does turning down a drink make you emotional? I don't get that connection at all. I don't know. It was like uh, midnight in Seattle and we had been out all day and he's like, do you want to have a drink? And I was like, I was like, oh, I'll come hang out. But like, I don't want to have a drink. And he's like, why wouldn't you have a drink with me? And I was like, cause I'm good. Like, I don't need to have a drink with you. And he, he like went off and was like so offended. And he's like, he's like, you're just being emotional. You're too emotional. So I left. Wow. That is crazy um <laughs> I guess he still works with him this girl love yeah. my life oh no corporate America am I right oh KP that's crazy um yeah. so don't be afraid to turn down old men when they ask you to get drinks who gives a shit if you're emotional <laughs> yeah please I am emotional he's not you're like yes home. and I I love every single one of my emotions thank you <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, yes, I've loved every 12 uh, breakdown breakdowns I've had today. Thank you, mm -hmm. sir. Oh my gosh. Okay. My only other thing, just to add quickly, is it is crazy to me that when people are victim blaming, they go to the girl and they say, what were you wearing? What were you drinking? Why were you at that party? How come you talk to that guy? How come you went upstairs to a bedroom? Like, that is insane to me. You could be butt naked and it does not mean you're allowed to be sexually assaulted. Yep. It's like things that any other random man could do at any point in time that would never be considered 
him asking for it is like people don't even think about that. Mm-hmm. Blows go my off. mind. Go okay. off your bad self. So I've for like firsthand had experience where a man has told me um, it was like some case that was on the news, probably about a celebrity that was being accused of sexually assaulting somebody and just um someone i worked with who told me like oh women who come forward with like rape allegations just want money or fame and it's so sad because it's gonna ruin this man's reputation and literally look at freaking brock turner's case this boy literally raped an unconscious woman chanel miller who was um Brock Turner was caught by two other graduate students Mm -hmm. um, doing this and he pled not guilty, which I'm sorry is a crime because you're lying under oath. He served three months after being charged with three felonies because his daddy wrote a nice little letter saying, oh, 20 minutes of action. This is a pretty steep price to pay for only 20 minutes of action. Um, I'm sorry. This girl is now a rape victim for the rest of her life. And I think that's a hell of a lot longer than 20 minutes. Um, yeah. So know my name, a memoir by Chanel Miller. Go give her all your money because she deserves it. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. I could not agree with you more. That case made me so upset and in that letter that his dad wrote he said something along the lines of like um my son is like too young or too fragile to be receiving this punishment and i'm like sir he's in college i'm pretty sure he's over 18 so that makes him an adult and yeah like you said like the 20 minutes of action comment Like, you know how much therapy she's probably in now? She probably has, like, a lot of psychological things going on. I mean, and And to even phrase it like that, 20 minutes of action makes me want to literally throw up. Yeah, and I'm sorry. I don't care how much alcohol you've had to drink. Literally, um, they went to Stanford. And at our college, which is not, because Stanford's Ivy League, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. At our college, that's not Ivy League still gave us entire presentations that we were required to watch on like sexual assault and being drunk, not indicating that you're saying yes to having sex with anyone and that you can't say yes to having sex with anyone while you're drunk. So I'm pretty sure Stanford probably does something similar. Yeah. Hello, you're on a freaking college campus. I'm sorry. I don't care how many drinks you got caught raping someone. You literally pled guilty and lied and you only had to serve three months in jail. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Nuts. But, and this is like going to the issues in America today with the court system. Had He was a white, very privileged young man who came from a very rich family. Mm -hmm. If it was a young black man who was from a low income family and it was a lesser charge, he would be in jail for more. Yeah, probably the rest of his life. Cause yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how much time you're supposed to serve for three felonies, but that seems like a lot to me. You don't get a month of felony. That's what I know. Yeah, for real. Um, I, go to okay. I think if you get a felony, you don't just serve a month in jail. No, probably not. <laughs> All right, should we move on? Yes, let's go. (laughs) All right, we need to calm down. I hope these people 
people listening are getting just as heated as we are. If not, we're just going to sound like a bunch of lunatics. It's fine. I am a lunatic. <laughs> Me too. So anyways, uh, question number four. Throughout the novel, Sloan, Sloan seems to feel some responsibility to protect Catherine from Ames, whom she views as a threat, while Rosalita, Grace, and Artie all have their own personal philosophies about the problem of Ames and their relative roles in it. What responsibilities do women bear to protect other women from dangerous men? How does that answer shape your ultimate view of Catherine's actions? Okay, my answer for this is pretty short, and I'll just start with a quote. There's a place in hell for women who don't defend other women. And I probably misquoted that, but it's fine. Um, I liked it. I yeah. It was Catherine sucks. She's a terrible human. I get being scared to lose your job, but be a good person. Like, that's the end of it just do the right thing and don't lie about someone trying to manipulate your position at your office, trying to sleep with you to get ahead. Like, yeah, Catherine did suck, hated her. Um, I like thought the women did a good job trying to protect her mm -hmm. and trying to like bring her under their wing. Um, you know, even I think it was Grace that knew about Catherine being at the hotel and Ames being at the hotel. And I don't think she said anything for like a while about it. And she was like trying to protect them or trying to protect her. But yeah, Catherine, when she lied in that interview with the detectives, I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like these women are trying to protect you and you're gonna like go and act like you are like this innocent naive person that doesn't know what's going on mm -hmm. speaking of grace grace also sucked <laughs> yeah a lot of them sucked mm -hmm. i i found it hard in this book to find someone to root for besides rosalita you know who i rooted for abigail and that was about it <laughs> i also rooted for abigail she was great yeah um, yeah, I agree. There wasn't, there wasn't a character in this book that I really connected with. And I think that ended up being the downfall for me. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, so moving on to our next question, what parallels can be drawn between Abigail's experience at school and the experiences of Sloan, Grace, and Artie in the workplace? Do you think one experience affects the other? So so I really thought it showed the comparison of the fact that this type of behavior is accepted by men and boys at any age, any age. And um, even when they were in the principal's office and Abigail was like saying, oh, he did all this stuff to me. He was humiliating me in front of everyone. Like, why are they attacking Abigail in that meeting? Like, why didn't they turn to that boy and say like, yeah, that's not okay. Like, you can't touch a girl like that. You can't do all the stuff. Right. When she said she literally had gone and told the principal about it and he was like, oh, like, just ignore him or whatever. Like, no. No, I'm sorry. If a, if they were, what, eight years old or nine years old at yeah. this point? Yeah. If 
if you're an eight-year-old, you know better and you know that it's not like preschool, you know not to touch other kids. At least you should know that by eight years old if your parents taught you anything. So yeah, that when she said that she told the principal and he didn't do anything, I got very annoyed. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I said the same thing. I said, this just goes to show you like how these things start and it totally happens. Like, and thank God that little boy got put in his place by Sloan because his mom clearly did not raise him correctly and thought this little girl had just beat him up for no reason. Um, but that probably was my favorite part of the book when Sloan was just going off on this little boy in the principal's office. <laughs> that was yeah, amazing. I loved it. I was like, go off, like protect your daughter. And even Sloan's like, um, it was her ex-husband or no, it was her current husband. I get all the husbands confused. Her husband was there to like be at that meeting and he wasn't saying anything during this meeting like shocking the father doesn't speak up like the mother has to like go into attack mode yeah like the father might as well just not be there because not saying anything you're not wrong (laughs) and I was like thinking about it I was like if this were me and it was like my school and my parents came like I think my mom would be the one going off and my dad would just be like sitting there like I just think that's the case with a lot of um, mothers and fathers. They're like, oh, it's just innocent. It's the same thing as them telling little girls that boys like them when they push them down on the playground. Like, no, beat his ass back. (laughs) (laughs) They're the same age. Yeah. (laughs) It's them trying to normalize little boys hurting and touching and making little girls uncomfortable and I'm not about that life nope no no all right on to the next um the women of Dallas create the bad men list to warn each other about men who exhibit predatory behavior was Sloan right to add Ames name to the list is the bad men list ethical do you ultimately feel such a list is a good idea for a bad one or Wait, or a bad one, not for a bad one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I was talking to KP about this just before we started because I feel like it was weird that Sloan added him because they had that like consensual relationship and Sloan cheated on her boyfriend who is now her husband with Ames. And um, I think the only real thing she had reason for putting him down now was that he was still kind of using that against her for her like advancing in her career. But um yeah like Catherine had a reason Rosalita had a reason that they could have put him on there so he definitely deserved to be on the list um and I think that there really isn't a question of ethics when it comes to the list because if a man did something to warrant being on the list he shouldn't have the pleasure of me having a moral conflict about adding him um saying that there's always going to be you know a chance that it could be a lie or like fake or someone just like being mad and adding it for no reason so obviously everything should be taken with a grain of salt but still yeah um I thought like I was very indifferent to the list I I didn't love it but I didn't hate it I thought you know if there was a list going around at my company a bad names list like would I look at it yes would I do anything with it like I don't know maybe not 
Like, I just, I don't know. It's hard because it's, it is like you're bullying these men, right? Like, yeah, they did something to warrant other women being warned about their actions, but perhaps to just do it because you're only really telling like the other women in your office right that's who this was circulating to so if you see them like talking to another woman like hey maybe give her a one-on-one heads up did it need to be a whole list probably not because that is kind of like a bullying thing like if you had a bunch of women's names on the list that said stuff like that like it wouldn't be okay so Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, it seemed very, like, middle school for Mm -hmm. it to be a list. Like, I thought, like, if, imagine if the men made a list where they, like, ranked the women by, like, attractiveness or by, like, body or, like, something. Like, it's all in the realm of bullying. And just because they're men and they did something, like, I don't know if they necessarily deserve that. Right. Like, hell yeah, I'm going to tell other women that you're trying to talk to that you're a creepy person and you tried to like follow me in the parking garage or something like, yeah, but the whole list. Yeah, I just thought, and that's something that can be so easily tracked back to the source. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to be dumb and you're going to put someone's name on the list, like they can find out that it was you. Yeah. Pardon me, I need to go to bed. I'm yawning. Grandma in the house. Grandma. All right. Cosette Sharp agrees to take the lead in the counter lawsuit against Artie, Grace, and Sloan. Sloan is angry at this perceived betrayal while Cosette feels justified in her decision. Whose side do you identify more strongly with? So I said Artie, Grace, and Sloan's side because they were telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I wouldn't have sided with them as much if it was kind of like a gray area in the book and we didn't know exactly what he did. Yeah. But yeah, the whole cassette thing, I was like, I don't know like what this is. Yeah. Like she came in for like a couple of chapters and there was like a lot of tension and then she like left. Right. I think it was to try to be like, oh, this woman attorney that I know that I helped her get into this position is now like, fighting whether or not like this is real and stuff but that's like the shitty part about being an attorney is whether or not you think that the person is at fault or not you still represent them because that's your job so I don't I couldn't even really pick a side because I'm like just well that's her job like I don't really know if she had an option of whether or not to represent them or not you know Mm -hmm. yeah that's no that's a good point because there's people who even have to like represent like the Ted Bundy's of the world. Right. It's like, they probably know like, oh yeah, this man did this, but he needs to have an attorney or whatever. Yeah. I guess it's an attorney. I don't know. I don't know lawyer talk. Yeah. I I don't either. So (laughs) (laughs) he needs a lawyer. I don't know. He needs some help. (laughs) He needs some help. (laughs) Oh my God. All right, um, on to the last question. Here we go. The novel says a man, uh, hold on, sorry, I lost my spot. The novel says a man could say that he was taking the day off to go fishing with his son, while a mother was usually better off hiding the fact that she took a long lunch to run her child to the doctor's office. 
Children turn men into heroes and women into lesser employees. If we didn't play our cards right, what do you think of this double standard of parenting? Have you or someone you know ever experienced it at work or personally? What happens? Um, so I said this, unfortunately, you know, is an everyday reality for women and it doesn't even have to revolve around parenting at all. Like I straight up had a male employee, um, at a job, rub my arm and tell me that he didn't like talking about his traveling experiences in front of me because he knew I wouldn't be afforded the same opportunities. And I'm like, you have no idea about my life. You have no idea where I've been. Um, like little did he know that I'm very well traveled. Like I've been all around the world. Thankfully, my parents were able to afford that and take me to all of these great places. And I have been able to do that. So to just say that randomly to someone you have like no clue about, like just blew my mind, but yeah. yeah, I don't think it just strictly even has to be about parenting. Like I, I get the example that they're giving and that's totally true. Um, but yeah, I think it's just an everyday scenario for everyday women. Yeah. I, so I put my answer kind of around the parenting aspect. So I think that women, it's a lose-lose when you have a child and you're in the workplace because you either are, um, a stay-at-home mom and people are like, oh, she should be working. Or you go back to work and people are like, oh, why isn't she home with the baby? Like, does she not love her baby? How come she's not home? And um, it just, like, it is insane to me because no one's ever asking the, like, the husband, the father, like, oh, how come you go to work? Like, why do you go to work if you have kids? Like, Mm -hmm. how come? No. And I actually was talking to someone the other day, and this is very like on point with what we're talking about, who was hiring someone for their team. And they said, I, they said they interviewed someone who was really good. They wanted to hire them, but they go, um, but she's a woman. She has a few kids. I don't know if I want to hire her. And I said, well, yeah, right. An HR nightmare. Literally, this is what I told them. You're an HR nightmare. And I said, well, why wouldn't you hire them? Like you, you, you can't be biased, first of all, if they have children and they said, well, something's always going to come up. There's always going to be a kid that's sick. There's always going to be a doctor's appointment. There's always going to be this, there's always going to be that. And I was like, no, like this doesn't happen with men. Like you don't hire a man and say, oh, how many kids do you have? Oh, are you going to have to take the kids to the doctors all the time to stay home with them? Like it's insane that infuriates me because it's so true but you don't even think about it until something like that happens like you saying that like I never like oh my gosh that is so frustrating (laughs) yeah and I said to them I said well what is your ideal person that you want on your team and they said um like a young single person that doesn't have kids and doesn't have anything that like they're tied to and I was like yeah but you're never gonna find that Like, you're not going to be able to, like, narrow your search down by, like, 20-something single woman. No, I want someone who is unhappy, not married, doesn't have any kids, doesn't have any responsibilities except to work for the rest of their life. Okay. And it's, like, even when women go back to work after having children, like, it's not conducive to 
pumping breast milk and taking breaks to do that every couple of hours and like raising a child at all. Like it's still yeah. a man's world up in that work environment. Yeah. I had a coworker who came back last week from maternity leave and I was thinking about it, like thinking, oh, she's like really lucky that we're working from home because she's like, she can pump at home. She can, the baby's not there with her during the day, but like if the baby had to be, mm -hmm. she's at home, she's not having to like come to the office and work there. But yeah, it just is insane to me, like the double standard of like, corporate America, men versus women, this like mindset of like getting on calls and the, the men talking about sports and them just assuming you don't know what they're talking about. Like, I'm like, okay, like you're right. So basically I, what I'm hearing from this is we need to start an all female business corporation where there's rooms where women can um, pump their breasts for the, to feed their children when they come back from maternity leave. And they can just be free to do whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my company does have a breast pumping room, like a mother's room. Yeah. But one room with that one person can occupy. And my office has 2,000 people in it. So if there's multiple women breastfeeding, like that's like not enough. <laughs> yeah. It's like here, I'm going to like throw you a tiny crumb so that you'll shut up and stop right. complaining about this. Yeah. And it's also like, are these companies going to be accommodating to giving you the time to pump? Like it was said in the book where like, I think Grace said, like, she was like worried about the time that she was away from her desk when she had to pump. Yeah. But this is like something they have to do. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, like mastitis is a thing and we don't want that. So no, we sure don't. But I will say, so you talked about that book, um, the Brock Turner book, which mm -hmm. I want to read. Did you read it yet? I have not, but I do also want to read it. Yeah, maybe we'll do it for a future podcast. So be on the lookout. But also there's a movie that just came out called Promising Young Woman that is about sexual assault, double standards sexism and a woman's revenge on men who did her wrong so I think everyone should watch it it's very interesting it's the man the woman everyone's perspective of a sexual assault and it was very eye-opening and interesting I still need to watch that I know you told me about that before I watched it twice I rented it for 24 hours and watched it twice because the first time it like blew my mind and the second time I was like this is insane Wow. Like very few times you watch a movie about something as real and as raw as sexual assault and they get it right. Mm -hmm. Like they get all the perspectives right. Good. I need to watch that. Um, so I totally forgot about casting people, but I did think of someone for Ames right before this. So I'll let KP tell Start you her people me. too. <laughs> Let's start with Ames since you have one. Okay, perfect. So the only reason that this came to mind was because of his disease that he had that gave him the gray streak of hair, which by the way, if you have a birthmark on your head, I'm pretty sure it turns your hair light in that spot too. So I didn't know that was like a whole disease, but um, was Johnny Depp's uh, representation of Sweeney Todd, because you know, mm -hmm. he has that little gray hair there and he just looks like a madman. He does. And so he, who, did, who did you pick? 
uh, I picked Peter Gallagher. He was in The O.C. He played the father. Oh, I love him. Yeah. I thought he would be really good. Yeah, that's a great choice. So I can go through my other people if you'd like. Yes, I would love to hear who you cast. So for Sloan, I picked Anna Camp. I'm perfect. Oh yeah, I could totally see that. And you know, she's got, I mean, I don't, Anna Camp, I don't think has like a super Southern accent, but I just think of Sloan with her like super Southern. Oh, cause you didn't listen. I oh, listened. No. That's why I'm like, oh wait, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. So on no. Audible through the audiobook, Sloan has like this super like thick Southern accent. Oh, that is weird. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Okay. But so. that's cute. I like her. For Grace, I picked Brie Larson. She's like in all those superhero movies. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I that was hard to cast. I was like, I don't know who to pick for that. So I just randomly picked her. For Artie, I picked Lisa Goldstein. Lisa who was One Tree Hill. <gasps> Oh, she's perfect. That was a great cast. I know. That's who I thought of the entire time when I was reading the book. He's, um, what's his face's wife? Yes. What's his name? Mouth. I was like, what, yeah. what is his name? Millicent. Aw. Um, if anyone else loves One Tree Hill, KP and I actually went to Wilmington and visited where they shot One Tree Hill and it was magical and I loved it. Yeah, that was a great vacation. It was a great idea. Yep. I think we planned it like a week in advance. We were like, let's drive to Wilmington because we were young and could. Fun. So, <laughs> we, we were young and fun. Now we're not. Nope. <laughs> For Catherine, I picked uh, Florence Poe. Po, P-U-G-H. Oh, snap. She's got an interesting face. Didn't you cast her for one of the books we did? I don't know. Maybe not. She's yeah, got a very, like, what this, I'm not saying this in a bad way because she's beautiful, but she's got a very like flat and wide face. Yes, correct. And I also casted Rosalita, oh. but I picked this woman very last minute. So I picked Ginger Gonzaga, G-O-N-Z-A-G-A. -G -A. Ooh, she looks like a sassy. Oh my God. Wait, is that Jim Carrey's wife? In real life? Yeah. Maybe. Sorry, when I Googled her, it was just a bunch of pictures of her with um, Jim Carrey. Oh, because I think they're in that show together on HBO. Kidding. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I, I found her that. and I was like, I feel like she would like do a good job. Yeah, I could definitely see that. So yeah. Perfect. I'm glad I'm glad KP remembered to cast people. I, I will try to rem oh we're not going to do that next time and you'll find out why when we tell you what our next book is <laughs> which is a great segue into talking about well let's rate let's rate whisper network first and then we'll talk about our next book so what do you rate it out of five stars so I rate it 
a high two out of five. Perfect. Didn't quite hit the three out of five for me. Yeah, I, on Goodreads, I gave it a three, but my actual like rating would be more towards like a 2.5 out of five. Um, I thought it was like super slow. Like I said before, I didn't connect with any of the characters really. So it was just kind of hard to get through. Um, and there was just a lot going on. Like you said, like Cosette randomly came in. There was that whole thing with Abigail. There was stuff with the husbands. There was, there was a lot happening. It wasn't just like strictly focused on it was like a murder but also talking about discrepancies in the workforce between men and women but also talking about being a lawyer and moving up in your career and like it was just it was a lot it was a whirlwind of a book yeah I feel like if they if the author would have focused on just one of the things like either just like sexual assault or just sexism or just double standards I think all of it together kind of made it like a lot to absorb. Yeah, I think a better ending to the book for me would have been Ames not killing himself and them winning against him in a court battle because then they actually got this like result and, you know, and like Sloan becoming CEO or something happening like that, you know, like that would have been like a, yeah, women are awesome. This man just didn't kill himself and not, because that's like the worst ending of anything. You know, it's like, oh, this murderer went to, it's like the people that do like the murder suicides where they like kill someone and then they kill themselves right after. And you're like, oh, but like, there's no punishment for you. Like, yeah, you died, but you know, you just want something more, which is terrible to say, don't come at me. Like, a lot of the mass shooting murderers right. will do it knowing that they're not going to make it out alive. They're either going to shoot themselves or have the police shoot them because they are too much of a coward to shoot themselves. So, like, it's insane to me. Like, you're going to go kill, like, 40 people in a nightclub in Orlando, Florida. And it was not 40. It was less than that. It was 33, I think. Um, and then you're going to have the police kill you. I don't even know if he killed himself. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But he, I, he probably knew he was not going to make it out of that nightclub that night. Yeah. Sorry, this podcast has been so deep, y'all. There was just a lot to talk about. We just were on fuego. <laughs> yeah. And okay, so let's talk about the next book that we're doing. Um, we're going to have a special guest. One of our friends is obsessed with true, true crime. She has gotten me obsessed with true crime recently. KP also listens to true crime. We like podcasts. We like reading the books about it. So we are going to be doing I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara um, about the Golden State Killer, the East Area Rapist. Um, he has a lot of pseudonyms throughout his time and his crimes. Um, so we're reading that, which is why we're not going to be casting people because it is real life events. Um, I think that that podcast will probably take on a little bit different format than what we've been doing. Cause it, it's going to kind of be hard to do a question and answer thing with that. Um, yeah. so be on the lookout for that. That'll be our next episode. I'm almost done with it. KP is getting into it and we will be right back with you to talk true crime, which I'm stoked about. Give me your advice after we do that podcast of whether I should do a true crime podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to have Caitlin, our special friend on, because our 
our special friend, our special friend, our special, friend, <laughs> our special guest. Um, I was stuck in the car with her um, for many hours in December. I think together it was like 14 hours. We went on a massive road trip to go visit Melanie. And um, the entire time we listened to true crime and it was so great. <laughs> I had such a good time. Yeah, it's nuts. It just yeah. like, even reading this book, I like have scared myself and you know, horror movies, that's one of my favorite genres. But I think when it's like real and actually happening, it's, it just freaks you out a little bit more. Yeah. So that's exciting. Um, follow us on Instagram as always, Literary Ladies Pod. We update our um, books that we're doing. We post all the old books we've done on there. I want to start a new thing where every Wednesday, which is, well, it's tomorrow for us, but you're going to be listening to this on Sunday. Um, I want to post some of our recommendations of books we've read in the past. We already have one of those up. I'm going to try and get KP to give me one to do tomorrow. Um and yeah, so we post funny memes. Just follow us. It's a good time. We just passed a thousand followers. Woo! Thank you. Super all exciting. Support. You can also DM us your book recommendations because we will add them to our list. It's going strong. At this rate, it's going to take us years to get through it. And that's perfectly fine. We'll just keep on going. So tell us okay. what you want us to read. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's Everything's fine. <laughs> But like that meme with the fire and the dog. This yep, is exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we will talk to you guys next time and have a good week. Bye. Uh, bye.